of the Lord and we realize how incredibly important the Word of God is. And we don't just have worship. Worship is wonderful. And the move of the Holy Spirit, the gifts, all of that is amazing. We need that. But we also need the Word. And so, Lord, I pray over the Word that you would anoint me like never before and speak through me. And let it be as living seeds of truth that's sown out in the good, fertile soil that even now that your Holy Spirit, people are hearing this, may be hearing this a year or two from now. They may be driving down the road, on the Internet, however they're hearing it. But, Lord, I pray that every person, that your Holy Spirit would move where we are and begin to captivate us and begin to fill us and begin to touch our hearts and minds to where um, we can get focused and we can get what the Lord has for us. I ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would help us to, to give you our best, your, our full attention and just really get locked into what God is saying to us. Uh, Lord, we ask that by your Spirit, anoint our eyes and ears, give us eyes and ears of the Spirit. And again, that we have good, fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives ready. And these seeds of truth will be sown into that good soil, watered by the Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, I pray that um, your word will go out like a hammer. Lord, that you would anoint me. Let there be a boldness. Let it go out and begin to break down these strongholds of the devil in, in the church against the move of God, against healing, etc. Lord, let it be a sword that's going to penetrate and get where it needs to go. Lord, let it be a washing of the water of the word and the light of truth that shines and dispels all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation and power. And Lord, we commit this unto you and we stand on the promise that your word will not return void but accomplish that which you sent it for to do. Let the winds of your spirit carry this everywhere it's supposed to go. And Lord, we pray that the birds of the air, the Bible says, try to steal the seed. So we agree corporately in the name of Jesus, we bind anything of the devil that would try to hinder this word from getting where it's supposed to and doing what it's supposed to do. We bind it now in the name of Jesus. Back off. And Lord, we thank you for letting this go forth in power. Let your angels watch over your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm continuing in the vein of the Doctrines of Demons series, and I want to deal tonight with the healing ministry, but here we are coming upon Pentecost, and in Hebrew, it's Shavuot, which just means weeks, and so we get the word Pentecost, the, the pent, we get 50, you know, 50 days, The Shavuot comes from weeks, so it's counting off seven weeks, and then um, the 49th, and we get to the 50th day, that's the fullness, the day of Pentecost. So that's where those words come from. But the interesting thing is, earlier I showed this where I was waving the two loaves, the leavened loaves that had to be waved at Pentecost. And those two leavened loaves, I believe, speak of the Jew and the Gentile becoming one new man in Christ. And the leaven being in them specifically has to do with the fact that we're all sinners and that we need Jesus, we need his forgiveness and his cleansing, okay? So here's the interesting thing about Pentecost. You know, we talk about the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. But just keep in mind that this was being celebrated by God's people as a feast for 1,500 years before the day of Pentecost, okay? And this was called the Feast of Shavuot and... Um, this was when what's celebrated here is that this was when God gave the word. So what happened was the children of Israel came to Mount Sinai. God came down on that mountain. I want you to picture this for a moment. 
God came down on the mountain, on Mount Sinai, and there was a cloud and there was a fire on top of that mountain. And the voice of God came. It was like a shofar blast. And they heard that shofar getting louder and louder. And it was a powerful thing. And the people of God trembled before the Lord. But Moses went up the mountain, up Mount Sinai, into that cloud. And he received from God the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. And he came down and there was this uh, ritual he performed where there was some blood that was shed of animals and he sprinkled it on the people and it was the blood of the covenant. The fact that God came down, um, his presence was a covering. And even to this day in Jewish weddings, people are married under what's called a hopa. And so that was the hopa was God's presence and it was like a marriage ceremony where God the Father was marrying himself to the nation of Israel. And he gave them his word. It was like a ketubah for those that are familiar with that. But it was, a, it was a, a marriage ceremony, if you will. But God brought his word into the world. And that's what's celebrated at Shavuot. Now, fast forward, if you will. 1,500 years later, Jesus had ascended. He told the disciples, if I could paraphrase this, he said, look, I didn't begin my ministry until I was clothed with power. Do you remember that about Jesus? He was baptized in the River Jordan. He was immersed. And when he came up, there was really what that was, was a passing of the priesthood and the prophetic from John to him. Okay, and Jesus didn't have sin or anything. But anyway, it was a passing. So as he was immersed and brought up, John said, I must decrease, he must increase. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him. You know, many people read this a little different than what I think it was. John the Baptist said that he saw the Holy Spirit descend on Jesus like a dove. But a lot of people think of a bird. I don't think that that's what it was saying. I think that it was saying because the Holy Spirit isn't a bird, he's a person. But I think that what John saw was the Holy Spirit literally coming on Jesus gently like a dove would and settling upon him and wrapping him and Jesus was clothed with power from on high and he went out into the wilderness he was tested there for 40 days but when he came back the Bible says he came in the power of the spirit and so Jesus was saying to his disciples on the 40th day after his resurrection he was saying look I'm going back to the Father. I'm ascending. And they watched him, remember, ascend up in the clouds. But he was saying to them, if I can paraphrase, he was saying, I didn't begin my ministry to us clothed with power. You go wait in Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit comes. You will be clothed with power from on high. Then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. But wait till you're clothed with power. And so we know they went back, and for those 10 days, they were getting themselves ready, participating in all that was going on with the Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost, which had been celebrated for 1,500 years at this point. And here they were participating in all that, but they were praying. They were devoting themselves to prayer. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were in one accord. There was about 120 present. They were praying, and the Holy Spirit fell. He came in like a rushing mighty wind. They were filled with the Spirit. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. There was little tongues of fire that was over the tops of their head. And it was an awesome thing. There was a lot I could share about Pentecost here. 
But I mainly want you to see this, that Pentecost has to do with the Word of God and the Spirit of God being given. And some people focus so much on the Word that they neglect the Holy Spirit. You guys have seen that. Everybody in here has seen that, whether you realize it or not. They're so focused on studies and, and all this different research and all that goes into it. They neglect the Holy Spirit. They neglect his anointing. They neglect his power. They neglect that relationship. And it gets dead and dry. Other people focus so much on the Spirit of God and the move of the Spirit that they neglect the Word. So they end up many times kind of getting flaky and goofy and weird and they start accepting things that are unbiblical and they get off into weirdness. But if you will embrace both the Word of God but also the Spirit of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, both of that in your life will bring you to maturity, okay? So now let me talk about where I wanted to go tonight. I want to talk about the healing ministry because many times this is very rejected and, and even if it's not rejected it's neglected in a lot of places let me read to you in your notes here Jesus only did what he saw the father doing you guys remember Jesus talking about that he said I, I do what I see the father doing I speak what I hear the father speaking so Jesus was in a representation of the father he told his disciples, when you see me, you've seen the Father. What did Jesus do? Healed the sick. Delivered the demonized. And so Jesus' ministry was inundated. I mean, just all the time we read that there was a lot of healings and miracles that was happening. So obviously that's what the Father was doing. Is this making sense? Another interesting thing is that Jesus, understand he was under orders from the Father. Jesus healed everyone that came to him. Now remember that because we got to lay some groundwork in our doctrine. There was not one person, one time, that came to Jesus for healing and Jesus said, it's not my will. Or Jesus said, no. Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Even people, do you remember the story about the, the Syrophoenician woman that came and she was from outside of the, the city of Jerusalem and, and, you know, basically a Canaanite and she was not in covenant. And, and Jesus said, well, it's not right for the children's bread to be cast to dogs. And, but she didn't get offended. She said, Lord, even the dogs eat of the, the crumbs. And Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. He even healed her daughter. It was demonized, so it was a deliverance. But the interesting thing is, without getting, because I want to focus on healing tonight, but Jesus' healing ministry was so intertwined with the deliverance ministry that sometimes you didn't know which one was taking place because there were people that needed healing. They were deaf, they were mute, they were crippled, and when Jesus prayed for them, a demon left them, and then they were physically healed. So these ministries of healing and deliverance work together. And you have to embrace both. Because if people are just embracing one or the other, uh, there's going to be times you're not going to be able to help people. Now also we know that it's in the atonement. Jesus paid for it in his back. So Jesus paid a very dear price at the whipping post with the cat of nine tails. He paid a very dear price for our healing today. 
And it is a reward for his suffering when people are healed. Let me say that again. I want people to remember this. Jesus wants us healed so bad that he was willing to go to the whipping post. And those that seen the passion of the Christ, you realize how, how bad that really was. That's a pretty accurate description. There was a, you know, they would put things in these leather strips that were on the cat of nine tails, broken glass or nails or metal, whatever. And so when they, when they hit somebody in the back, it literally plowed their back open. And so Jesus knew that, and he was willing to go to that whipping post and be beaten like that, and for, for his back to be plowed open and blood to be shed from his back. He was willing to endure that for our healing. So it's obvious that the Father, and it's obvious that Jesus, he was willing, Jesus was willing to pay a very dear price for our healing. So let me say this again. It is a reward for his suffering when we're healed. So I want to say, watch out for people. You know, Jesus uses these phrases in the Bible, but you have false teachers, false prophets, things like that. But watch out for people that will teach you that miracles have ceased, that God doesn't heal today, or they would lead you to believe in their teaching that it's not God's will to heal you. However they say that, they may word it different ways, but if they're leading you to believe that it's not God's will to heal you, and they're sowing doubt into you, that is a false teacher. That is not the word of God. All right, and let me say a couple more things, and then we're going to dive into this. Faith is now. Faith is an expectation of now. Here's the difference between faith and hope. Hope is, well, I hope it works out. It might, it might not. <laughs> hope is futuristic, and hope has also got an element of doubt in it. That hope is not faith. A lot of people will hope that they get something. But I'll tell you how you will get something, faith. Faith is an expectation now. Okay, I don't have time tonight to really do a, a lot of teaching on faith because I'm going to be dealing with healing and faith is a whole other subject. But faith, you have to believe you have received it even though things have not happened yet. But faith is the currency of heaven. And so you're not going to get very far in your prayers whether it be about healing, whether it be about deliverance, whether it be about financial miracles, whether it be about you're praying for souls whatever you're praying for um, we know the word says that it's yours but if you're praying in doubt and you're, you're praying in a way like I hope it works out it might it might not you know that can hinder things but when you believe when you really believe so when you pray the will of God and you believe you have received it nothing's changed in the natural but you believe and you begin to think faith thoughts you begin to speak faith words and you begin to step out in faith, that's where you're going to start seeing major miracles in your life, okay? But faith is something that in some ways is a bit of a mystery, but I'll get more into that as we go. All right. So here's some teaching Jesus did on prayer in Luke 11, 5 through 13. Then he said to them, suppose that one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey. I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, 
do not bother me the door has already been shut my children are in bed I cannot get up and give you anything I tell you that even though he will get up and give him as much as he needs but I'm sorry I skipped a line I tell you even though he will not get up and give him anything because of his friendship but yet because of his persistence he will get up and give him as much as he needs so let me say that again he won't give it to him based on their friendship but Jesus said because of the guy's persistence he kept knocking he kept asking eventually the guy realizes he's not going to leave me alone until I get up and give this guy this bread he's come so he gets up and gathers it up just to get rid of him you know here you go So Jesus says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and him who finds, and him who knocks, it's open. Now suppose one of your fathers is asked by a son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish. Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask him? So when you go in a place like this where God's moving by his Spirit, don't ever be afraid about receiving from the Lord like that because the Bible says if you ask the Father for the Spirit, he's not going to give you a serpent. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. All right, so just something in this parable you know Jesus is teaching us to have that persistence and sometimes when we pray about things there's going to be instant answers to prayer sometimes but most of the time you'll find that it's going to require some level of persistence to get a breakthrough in prayer and it's not just about healing it's about a lot of things but you have to learn to be persistent and I think about Abraham you know, God spoke to Abraham to go to another country and that he would make him a father of many nations and Abraham God waited 25 years to make sure that Abraham had gotten to the place where him and Sarah both it was an impossibility in the natural but Abraham believed God's word in the in his physical body his natural physical body and his natural senses his sight he could look at his flesh he knew that he was so old and he knew Sarah was old he knew that in the natural it was an impossibility so he Abraham was not depending on his outward senses or his outward circumstances he had faith in the word of God and because of that Abraham believed the word even though his natural senses were against that word but Abraham still believed it and because of that Abraham got a major miracle so it's the persistence many times and here's what I found sadly you'll find a lot of people that teach against certain things it's rooted hear what I'm saying here tonight deception 99% of the times is rooted in pride there is very little deception that has come that didn't come in through pride and I'll give you an example 
A lot of times the reason why somebody will preach wrong and teach wrong and have bad doctrine in these type of areas, maybe they prayed for somebody that wasn't healed. Maybe they prayed about something and they didn't get their breakthrough. So out of that, now they formulate these false teachings, see? That's rooted in pride. But here's the voice of humility. You pray, you believe God's word, you're not seeing something yet, but you humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, you are so faithful and your word is true no matter what. Where am I missing it? That's humility. There's three things that bring healing. Persistent faith. I remember one time, this was just the grace of God on my life at this time, believe me. But we, we were out witnessing in Mexico. And we were in, there was a group of people that we were working with a missionary. And he picked, some, the missionary picked some of us that were a little bit older in the faith, a little more mature, which compared to those that were there, I fit that description. And so he sent me and about maybe six other people, I can't remember, out to this area because down this area was just bars. And he was saying, go there and witness. And that night, the Holy Spirit was really on us, you know. And we were out there talking to people about Jesus, and we were praying with them. And there was this lady, I believe this was a divine appointment. God just set this thing up. But she, I, I was walking down with the people that were with me, and she was hunched over, and she was in so much pain. I mean, it was, you could tell she was in a lot of pain. I didn't know any backstory. I just saw her in pain. We go up to her, and we ask her, you know, can we pray with you? Because it's obviously in pain. She said, yeah. And I said, but here's the thing. If we pray for you, I told her, we're going to pray for you in the name of Jesus. And when your pain leaves and God heals you, will you put your faith in Jesus? And she said, yeah. And so she's, she's in a lot of pain, and we pray. And the first time we pray, we command pain to leave. Nothing happens. So I said, we're going to pray again. We prayed again, took authority, commanded pain to leave, spoke healing. Nothing happened again. I said, we're praying again. And these other people with me, I don't know where they were at, but for whatever reason, God's grace was on us that night. The Spirit of God was on us. How many knows when you're under the anointing? And so he's like, we're praying a third time. And so we prayed again. This time, something snapped. The pain instantly left her. She stood up shocked, and she said, it's gone. And so we gave her the gospel, and she wanted to accept the Lord. But here was the backstory. She was driving, her husband was driving down the road and she was in so much pain, she said, let me out right now because she, she couldn't get comfortable in the car. And she, that's when we came upon her. She had just gotten out of her car and we walked upon her. That was a divine appointment. And the reason why I know all that too is because while we're praying with her, some guy comes up with a little baby. And I turn and, and uh, it was her husband. And he wanted to accept the Lord. And he wanted us to pray with their baby. Or pray over their baby. And so healing opened that up. But it was just the grace of God on us that night to be persistent. You know, we were not going to pray just once. We weren't going to pray just twice. We were being persistent here. And God healed that woman. So persistence. Number two. 
So there's three things that bring healing. Number one, persistent faith. Number two, the anointing and the glory. The anointing is the power of God. The glory is the presence of God. But both the power and the glory, both, will bring healing to people. There's people that are just simply healed in the glory. They're just in God's presence and they're healed. As a matter of fact, that happened to Brother Zach right there. You know, he was saying he didn't even realize all of a sudden he's like doing stuff with his knees. He had never, you know, he couldn't do for years. And it was just in the presence. Nobody prayed for him. It was just in the glory. And then the third, the third thing that brings healing. So you have persistent faith. You have the anointing and the glory. And then the third thing is revelation to remove blockages. Because if you're praying... And it seems like that you've prayed about this and it's stubborn and you've prayed about it and it's stubborn and you've prayed about it again and it's stubborn. There's a reason. There's a blockage somewhere. And God's going to have to reveal that blockage to you. I'm going to give you 14 hindrances here in a moment to healing. But let me just kind of tell you a few stories about that. So many of you guys are familiar with Kenneth Hagin. He, he has a wonderful, well, he did. I know he passed away, but he has such a wonderful healing ministry. His teaching on faith was, was amazing, and I just honor him. I was very blessed by him. But Kenneth Hagin said that one time, you know, he had had a lot of miracles in his personal life and saw a lot of healings and miracles in the ministry. But there was this one time that he injured his shoulder and he was saying that he prayed about it and he believed God. He believed he received his healing. He was, he was speaking faith over his shoulder. And he was going on about his business believing that his shoulder was being healed. But man, he said it was, it was just nothing was changing over a period of time to where he realized, okay. But here's where he was so humble. Instead of saying, you know, God doesn't heal all the time or God isn't going to heal all this, you know, getting into pride instead of doing that. He humbled himself and said, Lord, where am I missing it? That's humility. Remember that. It's not God's fault. It's not the word's fault. The, the humble thing is, Lord, where am I missing it? Show me. And did you know God showed him? God showed him an area in his life where he simply got out of the will of God. He didn't realize it. He had no idea. But whenever he said, Lord, I had no idea. I missed you in this area. Please forgive me for that. I repent. I will get right back in your will. When he did that, his shoulder improved and made a full recovery. That blockage removed so that healing came. Now, there's so many things like this. I'm going to give you 14, but I'm not so sure this is exhaustive. I'm, but there's so many different things. That's why you've got to hear from God sometimes. You just got to get revelation. There was another woman that, um, this, this story was featured on the 700 Club but years ago, I saw it, but she had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And she prayed for God to heal her, and she believed the Lord, and it seemed stubborn, and she was at church, and the Lord spoke to her, and while she was, I believe she was worshiping, if I remember the story about it, she sent her like this worshiping, and she said she saw a face of somebody appear to her in, in a vision, that she never forgave them. But this was so many years ago that she forgot about it. And so she realized the Lord showed her, you never forgave. 
and she forgave that person that day and did you know the cancer disappeared so there's three things that bring healing persistent faith and that is easier preached than lived that's for all of us persistent faith you're not going to give up you've prayed about it you've prayed about it you prayed about it you still haven't seen it in the natural but you're still going to believe god that it's still happening man god's heard me i've prayed about this i you got to show me the blockage but lord i believe you i believe you you know that persistent faith and also the anointing and then third is the revelation of blockages so i'm going to give you 14 hindrances to healing tonight here we go number one is ignorance of god's word the bible says in hosea 4 6 my people perish because of a lack of knowledge there are people out there that have just never been taught the word of god about healing how can they believe their church has never taught them anything about healing never taught them that god heals never preached anything about it never talked about uh, the stripes jesus took and they're ignorant they don't know and therefore they end up with major sickness they never get healed and possibly die from it but it's from an ignorance of God's word number two is undeveloped heart faith because you can hear me talk about this stuff tonight and in your mind you agree with me because you're seeing it in the word for yourself you mentally agree but that's not faith that's mental agreement faith is when you keep meditating on the word and it gets from just your head and it gets down into your heart into your spirit then you have true faith because when you're going through stuff your heart that has true faith your heart is like an anchor that you're in faith but sometimes the devil's really trying to assail your mind with all kinds of thoughts you have to bring that captive but you can still have a heart faith through difficult times is this making sense but you've got to get the word in your heart David said I had your word in my heart so as you meditate on the word and you keep meditating on these scriptures about healing about the atonement that's why I told people years ago I gave out something that you could take communion and, and meditate on these scriptures while you take it because as you meditated and you spoke those scriptures it would get just from your head it would get down into your spirit and what does the bible say with the heart man believes and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation but salvation there is sozo meaning saved healed delivered protect preserve prosper make to do well everything jesus paid for the bible's saying that out of your heart faith you will speak the word of faith unto what jesus paid for you to have but you've got to develop heart faith and this is not something that this is one of those things that people cannot do for you you're gonna to have to do this it's something you've got to have with god but man there's some people out there that they can quote scriptures i remember that um one preacher was saying he was ministering to a woman and she had gotten sick he was praying for about healing but she had gotten sick and her mind i don't remember what it was but her mind began to dementia or something but he said man all of a sudden she just started quoting all these scriptures it was coming out of her spirit 
I mean, she was quoting scripture after scripture, and he was blown away at the word of God that was hidden in her heart. All right. And then the third thing is unconfessed sin. And you could say the sin of your ancestors also. It's important to make sure that you've really dealt with sin. Because if you're living in sin and not even realizing it, that can be a major block to healing or to any other answer prayer. And the sins of your ancestors, you need, if you've never prayed about that, you need to really pray, pray that through and let the blood of Jesus separate that from your life. Because even though it won't send you to hell, it can affect you. It can affect your health and it can affect the quality of your life, okay? All right. Number four is unforgiveness, which I've mentioned already. When I talked about the lady that had to forgive and then she was healed. But unforgiveness is a major blockage to answer prayer and to healing. The fifth one is dishonoring of parents. If you look at this, there's a scriptural principle that people that honor their parents, things will go well for them and they'll have long life. The Bible promises that. But you can find people that don't honor their parents and you're going to see that their life, things do not seem to go well for them. They have a lot of struggles. Their life is not really blessed like it could be. And until they ask forgiveness and repent of that and really honor their parents, they're going to have those struggles because the Bible says so. So make sure that you don't have a lot of dishonoring of your parents going on in your life. You need to honor them, okay? And I know that some people don't, they feel like they, that their parents have been abusive, have been um, not really good parents to them. You need to forgive them. Do what the Bible says, forgive them, bless them. And you still need to honor them because they're your parents, okay? All right, the next one is occult involvement. We're all familiar with this, and I cannot rabbit trail because this is a big subject. But witchcraft, divination, sorcery. Witchcraft has to do with power, exerting control and power over others through spells and rituals. Divination is information, going to fortune tellers and psychics and doing different things to try to get information, like horoscopes. Sorcery has to do with material objects. Um, it could be swords, it could be chalices, it could be talismans, it could be things that are supposed to bring you luck, power, protection, but in that, drugs. As a matter of fact, the Bible word for sorcery that we translate sorcery is pharmakeia. It's where we get the word pharmacy. And so drugs have always been a part of the occult because people would take mind-altering drugs to get into these trances and have these weird experiences, okay? So... You know, a lot of people may say, well, you're preaching on this, and you know, I haven't really been involved in witchcraft. I haven't been involved in these things. That's awesome. But have your ancestors, because it can bring a generational curse. And let me give you something to think about maybe you haven't thought about. What about some of the weird entertainment out there that has a witchcraft on it? There, there are some music and some other things out there that there's witchcraft on it and people are really wrapped up into that stuff and they don't realize what they're doing did you know to this day i know that i'm saying this in humility and love here in america but people are very ignorant in these areas here but there's places like africa where this has been going on for thousands of years okay 
Did you know that to this day that they have these incantation drum beats and these different forms of music in their rituals that are part of witchcraft? So you have to think for a moment, okay, even though, and let me tell you a story about this. There was a minister that said he was ministering to a young lady and he kept feeling that she had got mixed up somehow in the occult or witchcraft and he was asking her questions. Did you ever go to a psychic? Did you ever have your palm read? Have you ever participated in like a Ouija board or a horse or whatever? No, 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 no. And finally, he's like, Lord, you're going to have to show me. And what it was, was she had really gotten wrapped up in some musical group. And there was a spirit of witchcraft on this group. And I mean, she was really wrapped up in it. And when he mentioned that and she prayed about it, she manifested a spirit, fell out, and that demon left her. All right. Now let's move on. The next one would be idolatry. Any, anything can be an idol. I mean, people can make uh, anything you can imagine, a relationship, money, making money, material things. All kinds of things can be an idol. But in that, obviously, bowing down to a graven image or participating in worshiping other gods, and might I add any form of Freemasonry in your life or your ancestry. But these things can be a blockage because I'm talking about getting healed tonight. And these things need to be cleared away so that healing can come. And the Bible says that we'll confess our sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us. So as you pray and say, Lord, forgive me for these, these things in my life and I confess it in regards to my ancestry that you cleanse me God will bring freedom for you, okay? The next one is the deliverance from the effects of a curse. When somebody has done something in their life, maybe they went to a witch or something. They went and had their palm read. There's a curse associated with that. And because of that, follow me, let me rewind. They went there, so this is a sin. The sin opened them up to a curse on their life. So now they're walking around. There's this curse looming over their life. They probably don't even realize it's there. But they start having problems. Maybe they start having health problems. And they go to church and they get somebody to pray for them. And they're not getting a breakthrough. They're going to have to get the effects of that curse broke. So maybe the altar minister says, you know, I sense that there was something in your past that needs to be broken. Did you ever go to somebody like a fortune teller? Well, as a matter of fact, I did. They said, well, let's pray about that. So they, they lead them in a prayer. They say, Lord, forgive me for that. I renounce that. They break that curse. All of a sudden now, healing flows, and they're totally healed. So you've got to break the effects of a curse. And some people have brought self-imposed curses that they've spoken over themselves. Every year around this time, I get this. They'll say, my sickness, my this, my that. They speak all kinds of negative stuff over themselves, and they wonder why. Be careful to only speak faith over your life. Positive things. Speak the word. Don't speak curses. Don't get all bent out of shape. Things always happen like this and start speaking. I never have enough, and I'm always sick. Don't speak stuff like that. That type of stuff is cursing yourself. All right, the next one is wrong beliefs. 
be careful with this. Jesus said to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Be careful who you're listening to. There's people out there, they will teach you things that will put in your life strongholds in your mind against healing. I don't know if it's God's will to heal me. Who told you that? The Bible didn't tell you that. Somebody told you that. Maybe the devil told you that in your mind or a person told you that, but God didn't tell you that. Be careful with wrong belief systems. The Bible says to pull down every stronghold and bring your thoughts captive and make him obedient to Christ. And we have to line up our belief system with the word of God. No matter what anybody else has told you, you got to pull down those strongholds. Jesus healed everyone that came to him. He took stripes on his back. The word of God says it. I believe it is for today. And faith is now. Faith is now. God wants to heal people right now. Tonight, we're going to pray for people. <clears throat> The next one is disorder in the home. In Ephesians, you know, Paul, the, the church of Ephesus was birthed in the fires of revival. A great move of God. You know, Paul wrote the scripture of um, the book of Ephesians. And the book of Ephesians was for the church in Ephesus. And what did it deal with? Spiritual warfare. Putting on the full armor. And then Paul talked about, though, how important it was for your home to be in order because he knew that that would open them up in areas of spiritual warfare. Y'all hear, hear me tonight. So disorder in the home. Husbands have got to be willing to rise up and lead. Some out there that are passive because they've been through so much. They've been hurt. Wives have got to be willing to submit in everything as unto the Lord. And if they're not, don't be surprised if... They have problems, health problems that, that don't get healed until they repent. And children have got to be willing to be obedient and honor their parents. And when a home's in order, that's where blessings flow and answer prayers happen. All right, another blockage to healing is pride and rebellion. People get lifted up with pride and they get rebellious. <clears throat> My wife and I love, love the people that we've had difficulties in this area. But sadly, we've, we've had people that have been lifted up with pride and gotten rebellious toward us in the ministry. And sadly, and I do say this sadly, most of them are not in the ministry today. And even those that are, it isn't like it used to be real powerful. It has nothing to do with us. It has to do with the fact of pride and rebellion in their life. If you will humble yourself and repent of that, God will restore. I remember years, years ago, I had worked with someone, and this person, this particular person was over me in the Lord. And I was very young. I mean, I was probably 22, something like that. And um, I remember, you know, to this day, I still don't agree with everything. Now, I don't believe things were completely right. But that affected my attitude. And I remember that after we had simply parted ways over the years, and, but I really felt in my heart I needed to write this person. Now, this was back before the days that we, you know, you can just shoot an email or whatever. But I remember I was writing this person, and I, and I was very sincere. And I, said, and I wasn't writing them like, you know, 
you did this, you did that. I didn't bring up anything negative with them. I just said, you know, my attitude wasn't really right. And I wanted to tell you I'm sorry about that. And I want us to be at peace. And I just ask you to forgive me for that. And you know, he wrote me back and said, no problems. You know, and he was totally great about it. And, and everything was smoothed over. But I felt as I humbled myself and dealt with anything on my end, I felt God was pleased with that. You know, to this day, if you, if you have crossed ways in the past with somebody, especially somebody in authority, and you were lifted up in pride and you were rebellious, I would encourage you to deal with that because if you don't, time does not wash away sin. Only the blood of Jesus washes away sin. What would it be like if people could humble themselves, just make a phone call, send a letter and say, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. Please forgive me. I want to make sure everything's right between me and the Lord and between you and I. Amen? All right, another thing is causing division in church. Now, this is a serious one. How many of y'all knows there are some church-going demons? You, you know what they are? Demons of gossip, demons of slander, demons of division. And I'm talking about literal demons that people let in their lives, but they cause division in the church. And I'm going to tell you something. I've seen this in the Bible. It talks about um, a curse that's associated with somebody that smites their neighbor in secret. And every Bible scholar who studied this out will tell you, you can't go up and strike somebody and them not know it was you. So it's talking about gossip. You're striking them in secret because you're running them down behind their back. And these people that are talebearers, they go from person to person. Did you hear what so-and-so did? And they're going through a church sowing all kinds of gossip and slander and division. And here's what the Bible says about that in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. This is something that I encourage people to read. The Bible says there are seven things that God hates. And he gives a list, you know, a prideful look, haughty eyes, a mouth that speaks forth lies, hands, you know, feet that run to do evil. So it's given those type of terms. But then it gets to the last thing, and the seventh thing is the person that sows discord among the brethren. Read it for yourself. Now, I remember reading that, and I'm thinking, man, I don't want anything I'm doing in life to cause God to have feelings stirred up of hatred toward me. Amen? Anybody else agree with that? You know, I want God to look at me and there's feelings of love. I don't want him to have stirred up feelings of hatred because I'm going through some discord among the brethren. And God really does hate it. It says in the Bible, he hates it. And there's a curse. The Bible says, cursed is the one who smites his neighbor in secret. And a lot of times people that are like this, they'll have a lot of health problems and they'll have a lot of problems in their personal life and they'll have a lot of fighting and problems in their family. It's a curse. All right. The, the next one is a defiled temple. First Corinthians 3.17 talks about we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it says, if you defile God's temple, that God will destroy that temple. Now, this is a strong warning. But let me just give you some advice as a, as a preacher. Having studied the word, my advice to you is this. Regardless of what becomes popular 
in modern culture. I would view your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. And no matter how popular it becomes among other Christians, I would not do anything to defile that temple. I would not personally go into the tattoos and piercings. I'm just telling you. I would not go into putting drugs and tobacco and different things into that temple. That's a holy temple. And I would not be participating in sexual immorality. Y'all hear what I'm saying tonight? Because that is a strong warning in the Bible. God says, you know what? You're the temple of the Spirit. And I encourage people to look these scriptures up, read them for yourself, so you're not thinking this is just my opinion. But God said this. He said, through Paul, if you defile your temple, I'll destroy that temple. And that's where people many times get a lot of health problems, and it can lead to premature death because they're defiling their temple, and they're opening themselves up to the demonic realm to devour their flesh. And the last thing is inner healing and trauma that has not been dealt with. This is actually quite serious and a cause of many, many health problems. The Bible says in Proverbs 17:22 that a broken spirit will wither, will dry up the bones. Many people have chronic health problems because they have never got inner healing taken care of in them. It's affected their health big time. And what you have to do here, and I'm going to teach on this in another another time and I can't get into it deeply but you need to really ask the Lord to show you things and it's from your spirit not from your head but from your spirit that you pray and you face those things and when you're praying and you see it it may be very painful at first because you're remembering something that was very hurtful but you stay on that for a moment and from your spirit you say Lord I forgive I forgive them from my spirit. I forgive everything that happened. I forgive myself for getting myself in that situation. And I release any judgments against you because God didn't do anything, but how many times have we blamed him? Lord, I release any judgments or anything towards you that I did. Forgive me for all that. And let this be because I'm going to tell you, it'll go from hurt to peace and healing. But it comes in layers because many people have been through a lot of things. Let the Lord bring these things up and deal with them, and God will heal you. All right, so those are 14 things that can block healing. And I don't know that that's a complete list. You know, there's sometimes, there's some things that we'll get a breakthrough. God will give us the breakthrough. But there's some things that we probably won't fully understand until we get into heaven and we stand for the Lord and we go, oh, now I understand. Because it's just beyond us. His ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. But the thing is that God will give us a breakthrough. Wherever the blockage is, if you'll ask the Lord, he'll show you and then clear that blockage. So I'm about to finish this thing out, but I want to recap right here. So what we have is persistent faith. We pray and we believe God's word. Things in the natural are screaming against that, but we still believe God's word. God's too faithful to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. And I've prayed about this, and we believe God. And then it's the anointing and the glory that will be the vehicle through which healing will come. But at the same time, if it's stubborn over a period of time, there's probably a blockage. 
So then we say, Lord, I humble myself. Show me where I'm missing it. What is the blockage? And God will show you. And when that's cleared away, healing will come. All right, so here's, as I begin to wind this up, let's look at this. The persistent widow. Have you ever noticed that this story here, that's a parable, okay, but this parable is a courtroom setting. And did you know that Satan is the accuser of the brethren? I wish I could spend more time on this, but honestly, it would take too long and I wouldn't be able to finish the sermon. But just trust me that God is a righteous judge and Jesus is our advocate, but the devil's the accuser. And sometimes you have to go before the Lord in that way, like a courtroom. And the Bible says that we can go before the throne of grace by the blood. We can come confidently by the blood. And you need to go before that courtroom because this has to do sometimes with why things haven't changed. And you just say, Lord, let the blood of Jesus speak on my behalf and, and make sure that you've confessed your sin You've confessed and repented of the sins of your ancestors. You've forgiven people. And ask God to clear away any cases or judgments that the devil has set in place against you. Because sometimes, I know this is, if you've never heard a sermon on this, I've preached sermons on this in the past. This is like a radical foreign concept to some people. And they're like, what in the world? But the devil, if he has accused you in the past, and if it was true, things can get set in motion against you but the blood if you'll go before the father and say lord i've confessed and i have repented let the blood speak on my behalf on my behalf that this will be cleared out of the courtroom it's over it'll be done and let me tell you a quick story about that there was a there was a minister that said that his wife started getting really sick and his wife as she was getting sick he kept praying for her but nothing was changing and there was a woman there that had come over and she was somewhat prophetic and they were praying for the wife and she said well she said have you gone before the courtroom about this and he said well no i haven't and she said well let's ask the lord to show us and all of a sudden she had this vision and she saw that there was another person who was an authority figure that was speaking against his wife gossip negative stuff speaking against him and those words, because he was an authority figure, those words had power and it was making her sick. And so him and this lady agreed together and they said, Lord, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. This, this is accusations going on here. How many have read that? Satan is the accuser, accuses what God's people before the Lord night and day. And he said, he said, Lord, I'm asking you that the blood of Jesus just clear that out, clear out those words clear the courtroom from any accusations and did you know his wife got healed after that the sickness just went away it had been stubborn i know that that's new to some people but there's a there is a place for that in your prayers there are times that the devil is trying to come against you in a like a legal ground or a legal permission to accuse you and then set something in motion against you and you need to go before the courtroom and say lord clear that out by the blood of jesus on my behalf i've repented of that i've confessed it okay uh here's here's an example of where jesus is now talking about this courtroom situation he says in luke 18 1 now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times 
you ought to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. And there was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling, but afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God, I do not respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I'm going to give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming to me, she's going to wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night, and he will not delay long over them. I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, he will find faith on the earth. If you really dwell on that parable, that is a powerful, powerful story. So God is not like the unjust judge. God wants us to be freed up and victorious. You understand that? Jesus was using this evil judge as an example. And he was saying here to be persistent. But the question is, has the devil somehow set something up in the past, some kind of legal ground, some kind of legal permission? I read to you 14 areas tonight. Has he, in the past, did he set something in motion against you by accusing you? Go before the courtroom. Lord, I have confessed, I've repented of my sin, the sins of my ancestors. I've forgiven other people. I'm asking you to let the blood of Jesus speak on my behalf and clear this courtroom from everything. Because every accusation of the devil, everything he set up against me, every attack, let it be cleared by the blood of Jesus and canceled. And let there be restoration. Let me tell you something about God. Over and over, I've read, I've studied the first five books of the Bible. Over and over, you see that when somebody stole something, they had to make restitution. If somebody stole something, when they gave it back, they had to add like a fifth, or they had to add this. They had to, they had to make restitution every time. And the Bible says in Proverbs, when a thief is caught, he must restore sevenfold. So when you pray in this way, say, Lord, I'm asking you for restoration and restitution that everything the devil has stolen be restored back many times over. All right. And we need to close this out. So here's the areas of healing. There are people that have been so broken in life that they've had like a wounded or a broken spirit. Now I'm talking about your human spirit, the deepest place in you. They have been so broken They've gotten to a place of maybe being suicidal and they were just really broken. That's a broken spirit. God needs to heal that. Also, people have had a wounded soul. They've been psychologically, they've been emotionally damaged by things in life. And God needs to heal their soul. Also, physical damage and physical sickness. The body needs healing. But don't forget the demonic influence. Many times when things are stubborn, it is a demonic thing. And I'll give you an example of times that a sickness could very well be demonic in nature that's causing it. If it goes, you're healed, and then it comes back. It can be demonic. Number two, if when you go to church or you get prayer, 
it really flares up. That could be a sign it's demonic. Also, if it moves around. Let me give you a story about that. Let's say that a minister was praying for a person that had a pain in their shoulder. They pray, the pain leaves their shoulder, but then it shows up in their kneecap. That's just weird. And then they go down and they pray over the knee and it shoots up in their lower back. And they're serious. They're like, man, I got this excruciating pain in my back now. That's a spirit. It's running around. So what you need to do is, is quit. I'm being serious. You need to quit praying that they be healed at this point. You'd be like out in Jesus name. Okay. So there's times that these things are demonic in nature that's causing it. And you'd be surprised at how common that is. Okay. That things can be very demonic in nature. And that's why people have chronic things. I believe a lot of times things that are very chronic or they're incurable diseases, things like that, are usually demonic in nature. Okay. So just be open to not just the healing aspect, but the deliverance. See? And begin to rebuke the enemy and destroy his works. And Jesus taught this, don't ever forget this, to bind the strong man first. Many times people are trying to deal with some little underling. He's not going anywhere until the strong man gets bound. So you need to discern the strong man. Okay. All right. Here's the vehicles through which healing can flow. Now I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray for people here in just a moment. Okay. So these are some ways that healing can flow into your life. And I'm not saying that this list is exhaustive. There may be something you think of, but this is just some things I put. The communion table. Man, I believe there is major healing in the communion table. I, that's one of the reasons why we start our services with communion. It's to deal with any area that, you know, we come together. We say, Lord, we forgive. We confess our sin. We really deal with things. We come under the blood. We reverence the blood. But I believe that because the blood's applied fresh, that it helps us to be able to corporately come into the glory. But also, it helps bring healing. All right. And remember that in past, the Passover, the Bible says there were none sick or feeble among them as they left Egypt. And that was from the Passover. And the Apostle Paul talked about rightly discerning the body of the Lord and he talked about people being weak and weak and sick, you know, dying prematurely. That was because of not rightly discerning the body. So there's healing in the communion table. The second thing I put in here is worship and the glory. How many people have just simply been healed just worshiping? And they've been in the glory of the Lord. There was a, a pastor of one of the great revivals in the 90s that said that they were worshiping and the glory of God was really strong. And he heard this woman let out a scream like she was shocked. I mean, really scream. It's kind of disruptive. And, uh, but he knew something was going on. And he ran down there and he said he got there in time to see the last bit of this happening. But he said it looked like a sewing machine kind of going like back and forth like this or something. But he said the man's hand was blown off by a grenade in, in war. I think it was Vietnam. And it grew back in the glory. And the wife saw it growing. It shocked him. She saw it. She screamed. He got down there in time to see the last little bit grow out. That was just in the glory. Nobody prayed for him. He was just in the glory. You understand? 
All right, another thing is the laying on of hands. The Bible says that these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, you'll drive out demons, speak in new tongues, and lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. How many believers are here tonight? You're a Christian, you're a believer. You're a believer, okay. You and I, all of us, should be able to be driving out demons, speaking in new tongues, and laying hands on the sick and they recover. It's for all of us, okay? But I'm gonna tell you, many times laying hands and praying for the sick, that's the power. But many times people don't even know that they're healed until a couple days later as it gradually gets better, see? So don't think just because you didn't feel anything. There's been a lot of people I've prayed for that came back and told me later, a day or two later, it totally disappeared. So that's pretty common. But that's healing. Another thing that will bring healing, the Bible says if two agree on earth is touching anything, the prayers of agreement. Praying, and listen, agreeing here, that Greek word symphony, it's harmonizing. It's really being unified. You know, if you can get a smaller group of people that are really living right, they're pure, and they really come together in unity, their prayers will change the world. But you can have thousands and thousands and thousands of people. A bunch of them are over here in their prayers, over here in their prayers. They're sending the camp over here. It's only going to accomplish a little bit. All right. The anointing with oil. The book of James says in James 5, 14 through 16, if any are sick among you, let them call upon the elders of the church to anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will bring healing to the sick. So anointing people with oil and praying for them will bring healing. Also water immersion. There have been many people that have been healed through water baptism, water immersion, which is not scripturally a one-time thing. That's a whole other sermon. But the body of Christ has yet to learn from the Hebrew roots, everything we need to. But we're getting there in Jesus' name. All right, but water immersion, there had been people that had been healed big time. Quick story about that. There was a man whose heart was so weak from multiple heart attacks that it could not pump blood to his legs. His legs were turning black. He was in a church service. They were having water baptism. All the people that wanted to be baptized, there was a lot of people that had been baptized before, but they just wanted to consecrate their lives. They were coming up. I know the preacher that told me this story that was praying for people that night. I know him personally. He was praying for them, and they were going out in the water. They were being picked back out and walking off. Well, this guy could barely get there. He's walking up there, you know, and they pray for him. Under the water he goes. Back up he goes. He goes and sits down. All of a sudden, he's, he's sitting down starting to feel better, and he's rolling up his pants leg, and his legs are changing color to normal color. God healed that man in water baptism. Also, the gifts of the Spirit. Words of knowledge and the gift of healing. They usually go together. Words of knowledge is where you get information and then you share that information. Uh, maybe the Lord shows you there's somebody here, you have pain in your lower right side of your back and it's really bothering you right now. God's healing you. So that's a word of knowledge. And then all of a sudden, there's somebody out there that has pain in their lower back. The pain leaves, they're healed. But also, words of knowledge can come by you experiencing that. You'll be standing here, you're preaching. All of a sudden, it feels like you got this pain in your left hand along this bone. It's real sharp, and it's like, 
there's somebody out there you got a pain right here god wants to heal you sure enough somebody comes up that's me they come up and there's a pain right there that gets healed that night's a word of knowledge so words of knowledge and healing um the gifts of faith and the working of miracles usually go together the gift of faith is the ability to believe god i mean how many knows that sometimes it could be a little intimidating but when the gift of faith kicks in you're ready to raise the dead it's it's just the grace of god that all of a sudden there's supernatural faith and the working of miracles i remember you remember when basil was here my my wife um she had always had kind of a curvature back then in their spine and he go and the lord just began to move that night with the working of miracles and so the lord was really flowing in this it's pretty neat to be there but anyway he had my wife stand and put her back up against the wall and i mean her fingers were apart like this because her back was so crooked and he prayed he stood back and prayed her back totally straightened up and her arm moved out she got home there had been like in the past like a little crease right here because of you know scoliosis it was totally gone because her back was perfectly straight i watched god straighten that back in front of my eyes right then that's a working of miracles also the gifts of discerning of spirits and deliverance usually people that have a deliverance ministry have the gift of discerning of spirits so you're going to see things that other people don't many times that's not always fun because you try to tell people and they don't believe you that's that's okay but anyway the gift of discerning of spirits is where you can sense that there's a spirit at work and what spirit it is okay and that gift operates through just information god gives you but sometimes you can see it in a vision sometimes you can hear something and believe it or not sometimes you can even smell a certain smell like a foul odor or something from the demonic all right that's discerning of spirits bringing about deliverance and then the last thing that i put is prayer cloths do you remember the apostle paul in acts 19 handkerchiefs and aprons and all these things were brought to him he prayed for him and sent him back out they took him to people that maybe they were too sick to come to the meetings you know and they would put the handkerchief or apron they put it on them and they were totally healed or delivered from the demonic there's been so many stories that i could tell you about these things i'm gonna limit it to two carlos anacondia prayed over a handkerchief sent it back with a lady her son had um oh what's that called where his face was brother zach knows this story no it wasn't down syndrome his face was obviously a down syndrome he was in a home where there was another boy in the same room that had the same thing. So they bring back the handkerchief, the mom does. She puts it on her boy. His facial features change. He's totally healed from Down syndrome right then. The other lady saw it, jumped, and starts fighting the first lady for the handkerchief. Gets the handkerchief. She wins the fight. Gets the handkerchief. This is a true story. Goes over and throws it on her son. Same thing happens. They're totally, completely healed through a handkerchief. Now tell me that's not amazing. And here's another one about it. Smith Wigglesworth, back in um, when he was ministering, you know, the early 1900s or whatever, he's traveling. And back in those days, if you're an itinerant minister and you travel, a lot of times, uh, a, you know, a family in the church would have them come stay at their house. And it was very common for the woman of that house to make sure that he had you know meals cooked for him and just take care of everything you know so anyway he was at this particular church and this this husband and wife had him come 
and he was staying with them and so they wanted to take good care of him so they had him sleeping in the master bedroom and they were staying like in the guest room and she was cooking the meals and taking care of him and um upon his departure though even though she was was an on-fire christian her husband never really knew the lord now he was a really nice guy and he had no problem with smith being there but he was just not a christian and he didn't go to church with her and so as smith was leaving she said to him would you please pray for my husband and he said let me tell you what to do don't change the bed sheets just leave them like they are and so that night her and her husband go to sleep with the same sheets that he had been sleeping in and she wait she's awakened in the night because her husband's making some noises and stuff and she wakes up and she's trying to get her eyes focused realize we're going he's kneeling at the side of the bed and he and she said are you okay and he said no and he said i keep feeling like i'm going to hell i keep thinking like i could die tonight and i'm if i do i'm going to hell no i'm not okay i want you to pray with me and so she leads him to jesus that night isn't that awesome see there was an anointing that smith was ministering under and then it got in those sheets see and that affected him all right i'm saying all of these stories and all of this out of the word tonight because i want river of life i want you to believe god like never before i want you to stretch your faith his glory is increasing in this house the lord is moving in greater dimensions of healing we've had two different people prophesy about revival and about healings really exploding and i want you to believe with me and this is how i wanted to close this sermon luke 5 17 one day jesus was teaching and the pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there can't you just imagine them sitting there with their arms folded no faith at all just looking at jesus like who do you think you are you know but the lord people had come from every village in galilee from judea and jerusalem and look at this and the power of the lord was present to heal the sick everybody think about that scripture okay i don't want to lose you the power of the lord was present to heal the sick the power of the lord is present here tonight to heal the sick so i want you to believe tonight we're going to pray for people but if you have any type of health problem we want to specifically pray for your healing and we're going to believe god that you're going to be healed you may experience something immediate or you may not experience something immediate don't go by feelings go by faith as many times you'll go home just like miss karen got prayer for her shoulder it was in pain she left here with her shoulder in pain she goes to sleep wakes up the next day it's totally gone so healing is not always instantaneous sometimes it's over the next couple of days or weeks okay but i want you to believe you receive it tonight when we pray for you so we're going to shut down recordings